Well, hello and welcome to this podcast from Jazz Community Church, looking at the vision for Jazz Community Church in 2019. My name is Adam. I've been your regular host throughout this podcast, and it was good last week to hear from another member of the uh, church, part of the congregation, Helen, sharing with us some of her thoughts on um, on the vision for Jazz Community Church. Well, we're back to the usual uh, format today, and our topic that I'll be uh, sharing a bit with you in a moment is is called Ensemble Life, what it means to live in community with one another as part of the life of the church. So before we get started, just a a reminder that you can uh, connect with us uh, on the website www.jazzcommunity.church. You can also um, like us on Facebook, search for Jazz Community Church, and we're on uh, Twitter as well. So do connect with us. We'd love to hear what you think. wherever part of the world you happen to be in Uh, but if you are local as well we'd love to see you on a Sunday afternoon four o'clock at the church on Cambridge Road in Kings Heath Birmingham in the UK be great uh, to see you to see you if you're listening um, from somewhere else and and this is your first um, contact with Jazz Community Church so ensemble life how does this play into uh, the vision for jazz community church as we seek to improvise life and follow jesus together well let's start with a short passage from uh, the book of 1 corinthians the letter of 1 corinthians uh, in the new testament of the bible uh, chapter 12 reading from verse 12 to 27 it's entitled unity and diversity in the body Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together giving greater honour to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. 
I believe that we have all been fed a lie. It's a lie which is so deep-seated within our worldviews that it impacts on everything. It impacts how we view the world, how we conduct relationships, how we make big decisions, how we operate day to day. It's a lie which is simply accepted as truth and rarely goes unchallenged. It has its roots in the what's known as the 18th century Enlightenment, the age when reason and logic kind of came to the, the fore and were the main lens through which everything was viewed. Through the scientific method, things were broken down to their component parts, deconstructed. And this included not just um, technology and um, the physical world, but reality itself, the way we think and the way we view things. The fundamental belief might be summed up um, using that famous phrase that I'm sure you've heard of, um, initially coined a couple of centuries earlier, in fact, uh, but kind of came to the fore in that time. I think, therefore, I am. I think, therefore, I am. It's a philosophical statement, isn't it? But thought, logic, reason were really the driving um, forces behind the 18th century Enlightenment. Of course, the Enlightenment has led to many wonderful benefits for humankind. Um, we've now got technology, uh, science in general, medicine, travel, computers, everything, you know, we could, we could list so many things. But there is a problem. And um, this lie I would describe like this. First and foremost, you are a single individual being. First and foremost, you are a single individual being. Now, on the face of it, that might not sound very problematic to you. It might even ring true. But I think it is very problematic. You see, if this is your starting point, you start thinking and believing that it's possible con to construct a life which is completely insulated from the dangers and problems that are caused by other single individual beings. You start believing that if you make sure everything in your life is sorted and you have the correct insurances to cover things which are unexpected that might happen, then actually everything will be fine. And you might even have a little bit of surplus left over um, to help others sort themselves out. Our whole society is built on this sense of individualism. Everything is owned by someone, whether that's land, uh, possessions, companies even. And if there is any sense of collective ownership, group ownership, then it's hard to find the right models and mechanisms to make that work. The whole system incentivizes us to build up capital for ourselves in different forms, ultimately looking after the number one. I'll just repeat that lie to you again. First and foremost, you are a single individual being. Humans haven't always thought in this way. The passage I read at the outset is interesting. I think as people who swim in a culture that's built on this idea of individualism, we read this passage in a way that says, if we come together as a set of individuals, 
individuals and collaborate, work together well as a body functioning together, then we can produce something really good. Notice the order there in that thinking. Individuals coming together. Is that how the writer starts this passage? No, it's not. It's the other way around. Just as a body, though one, has many parts. The writer starts with the body and then talks about the parts. He doesn't say parts come together to form a body. Body first and foremost, parts afterwards. Collective community first and foremost, individual parts afterwards. There's a wonderful book in the um, Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, uh, we call Ecclesiastes. And there's a really interesting verse in, in chapter 3, uh, which is one of the more famous uh, verses in it, that says this. All come from dust, and to dust all return. So rather than I think, therefore I am, how about you exist because God formed you from the dust of the earth? And to that earth you will return. Ultimately, we're all made of the same stuff, the same material elements. And we will, our bodies will return to that ultimately. Our lives are interconnected with one another. Our actions have consequences for others both today and for years to come. And we feel the consequences of others' actions all the time. Both people acting today and people acting in the past. We are deeply and fundamentally, I would say spiritually, connected to human beings all round the globe. We are made of the same stuff. Just pick one simple contemporary example, climate change. I create CO2 every day from oxygen and other, and other things as well. Um, and I create quite a lot, in fact, because I live in, in the UK in a, in a Western kind of context. And that... Um, contributes to the CO2 in the atmosphere, which slowly begins to raise the global temperature, which starts to melt the ice caps, which we're seeing at the moment, which slowly raises the overall sea level around the world. Which means that someone on the other side of the globe who I've never met, who lives on very low land near the coast, will have seen their home flooded, destroyed, uninhabitable, in fact, for the rest of their lives. What was it Paul said? If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. This flies in the face of individualism, I think. This idea of individualism has infiltrated even the church um, with its emphasis often these days on personal salvation, individual relationship with God, and even a sort of pandering to the consumeristic engagement model of church. Am I saying that personal salvation is untrue? Am I saying that individual relationships with God are not important? Absolutely not. They are vital. But they don't come first. We are all saved individually because we are saved in Christ as a collective, as a body. The individual story is true because the bigger collective, even cosmic story of what God is doing in Christ is true. In wider culture, this individualism is, is causing widespread mental health problems, I believe. 
is causing unhappiness and loneliness. I believe that the church is called to be a radical alternative community, pioneering a different way. And I believe here at Jazz Community Church, we have a model which speaks clearly and will resonate. And that model for community is the musical ensemble. So what does that look like? Well, I've got three ways um, in which ensembles, uh, the collective, the community, come first, both in a musical sense and also for human community. There's a project run by the Lincoln Centre in, in America um, called the Jazz Academy. Uh, if you're on uh, Facebook, uh, then you can search for Jazz Academy and there's loads of great content on there. I would, um, if you're interested in, in jazz, I would encourage you to have a look at that. And one of the things they do is create these short videos that are kind of like tutorials on different um, aspects of jazz, but they really give you an insight into how instruments work, how groups work together and so if you are at your computer now have a look on Facebook search for the Jazz Academy click on the videos tab and search for how to trade solos in jazz uh, pause the podcast and have a look at that if you're not able to do that and um, it's a little tutorial that talks about the way in which in jazz we often have a situation where people trade solos with one another so somebody may be a saxophonist uh, does a bit of an improvisation supported by the rest of the band they stop and then somebody else kind of takes over it's almost like call and response conversation and what happens is the first person will, will almost say something will put a phrase an idea out there the second person kind of picks it up responds responding both to the notes the rhythm but also and um, the feel the style the intensity level of what's going on they'll say something and then and then it's back to the first person again and it goes backwards and forwards trading solos is the idea so there's this sense of interaction conversation sharing the the leader of the tutorial talks about allowing space for one another so that people aren't kind of talking over one another in that in that musical sense these are the sorts of things which are at the heart of who we are and what we do as Jazz Community Church. Our regular practices include sharing stories, deep conversation, food, sharing our lives. And this is not just in a limited way, small talk, but in an open, vulnerable and honest way. One of our values is vulnerable authenticity. We need to learn to listen well to one another, to allow the right space, to understand one another, to know when to speak and when to remain silent, when to accompany, to be in the band and when to take that lead. And it all comes down to relationships, how we relate to one another and putting the collective, the community above our individual needs, perhaps. Paul says in the passage that there are hands and feet and various other parts equally important and vital to the body. As a church, one of our clear next steps is to form some small groups. These are a perfect context for regular sharing, conversation and interaction, very much like a small band. 
musicians will know that when you join a new band, it takes a lot of time, investment and practicing together before you start feeling like you really know the other players and can participate fully in the life of the ensemble and in the music, creating something truly beautiful. We need to take this step, challenge one another to commit to sharing our lives together on a regular basis and not primarily to get something out of it for ourselves, although, of course, we will. So relationships and conversation, that's the first thing. And um, The second way in which the ensemble or the collective comes first is a focus on the music or the song. For church community, I believe this is about the focus on the mission. What are we trying to create together? I would say this is about us contributing towards the kingdom of God, God restoring and renewing the world. But more locally, that means our church, Jazz Community Church here in Kings Heath. We can only play our part in building of the wider kingdom participating with God if we've got things sorted ourselves and are taking those missional steps together. When I studied at Birmingham Conservatoire, uh, the focus on the music in the jazz department, the focus on jazz was quite something. It was quite special, really. The community between the different students was so strong because everyone lived and breathed jazz day and night. We loved listening to jazz, playing jazz. Um, we came together for a rehearsal and the focus, the sense of collective mission on making the music was what made things work. People would take um, gigs that actually cost them money just for the opportunity to play with others. I remember a situation once where um, I had a gig with a couple of other musicians. It was just a piano trio, three of us. Um, but we had to take the train because none of us had a car. So on a train, it was quite a long train journey as well. I remember being at um, New Street Station, standing there waiting for our train with uh, a full 88-key stage piano with weighted keys that I was kind of carrying by myself um, and, a music and a keyboard stand, obviously. Um, and then we also had a full drum kit and a double bass, just the three of us on the platform. It was crazy. We got on the train and we had to put everything in the bike compartments um, and then sit um, in, the, in the adjoining carriage. But it just goes to show the lengths that we went to to do that gig. But we loved it because we were focused on the music, on the mission. One interesting um, result from this is a sense of equality. Uh, there are issues in the jazz world that there are far more men than women. Uh, in my year at the Conservatoire, there was one woman, I think, at 15. But what was interesting was there wasn't... I didn't detect any prejudice on the grounds of, of gender. She was a great sax player, uh, lived and breathed jazz like the rest of us, so we just got on with it. All of the parts of the body are equally important and vital. I think a focus on the mission contextualises differences and actually prejudices start to dissolve a little bit. Not always, but it does help. This isn't the entire story, of course. There's work that needs to be done to actively encourage um, underrepresented groups. Uh, we need role models um, and schemes um, and all that sort of thing. But the unity, the focus on the music did dissolve any prejudice at that time. And I hope that we are a church which has no space for prejudice and doesn't put up with it.
where women and men are encouraged to flourish in their calling, not because of their gender or colour of their skin, but because they play their part and we are all focused on the mission. So the ensemble, the collective, comes first in relationships and conversation, in the focus on the music, but finally in a commitment to growth and development, to the craft and to the skill. We've touched on this in previous episodes when I've talked about faith in practice. In an ensemble, you need musicians with a degree of skill in their instrument. However, what I've observed from working with children, working with church ensembles over the years, is that absolute skill level is not the most important thing. But what is vital is the openness of all players, whatever their ability, to grow, to develop, to learn something new, to make mistakes and also to make changes in their technique or their style and be willing to learn from others. I would in fact go as far as to say that the joy in seeing that growth and transformation trumps the nice sound of a group of professionals whose heart isn't really in the music. I've heard some wonderful school ensembles with loads of quite mediocre players in a way, but you can tell they've often been inspired uh, by a teacher often to do the best that they can do in that moment. So let's um, draw things together with another video, if you're able to have a look at it, um, on the Jazz Academy. And this one links to our tagline, Improvising Life and Following Jesus. So if, if you're on uh, Facebook, search for, um, in the video section, Exploring Improvisation in Jazz. This is a sort of basic introduction. It talks about how um, improvisation is more than just making it up as you go along. It draws on the tradition, on melody, includes embellishment and all those sorts of things. But most importantly, at the beginning you hear the pianist and the sax player kind of improvising things themselves on their instrument. But then at the end, the whole group comes together to support the saxophonist in her improvisation. And at that point, it just lifts. The whole thing explodes. You can see how the how the sax player is playing off the other instrumentalists, how the instrumentalists are, are there to accompany and support the other player, and how that community collective thing comes first as they're improvising together. And as we improvise life and follow Jesus, we can be lifted by one another. One final thought. Um, I've run some community choirs in the past and uh, they're always interesting things because you tend to get three types of singers who, who participate in community choirs. There's some who are really good singers who are used to kind of pro ensembles who can just sing everything very easily um, and they just enjoy being part of the group. And they're the gift to the choir. They're just, you know, brilliant. Then there were other people who actually have a lot of ability. They've got a good ear, good voice. They're able to control it well, but they're just lacking a bit of confidence. So they just need a bit of encouraging um, to, to express themselves and to, to move into their gifting. Um, inspire that confidence is the role of the, of the conductor. 
But then there's a third category, and you always get one or two of these, sometimes more it has to be said, uh, people who just really struggle, who, who, who you know, struggle with pitch and rhythm and everything else. And um, what's worse is they usually don't know um, that they're struggling. Usually um, uh, others can hear, which makes it interesting. But what happens even with those people in the choir, they kind of get caught up and carried by the wider ensemble. So they're part of the group, but actually it doesn't really impact on the overall sound. And sometimes it even sort of pushes them into the right notes um, because everybody else is there with them. I think that there are times when we all end up being that person in the choir in terms of a, a community, a church community particularly. Maybe it's when we need extra care because of a difficult patch in our lives, maybe a period of grief um, or, or struggle for whatever reason. Maybe it's a time when we're struggling with our faith, when the questions and the doubts um, are coming thick and fast and beginning to overwhelm us. I think that when there is a sense through honesty, vulnerability and a sort of commitment to the group, we can be carried by the ensemble. As a church, we believe we are on a mission. We are making a difference. And just because one of us might be not quite there with it at the moment, we can be held, accepted and nurtured so that ultimately we wouldn't stay in that place, but would grow and develop. And we shouldn't be afraid of this process. So my hope and prayer is that we can be a radical collective, a community which is challenging the lie that first and foremost we are individual beings. A church community which says loud and strong, we are all made of the same stuff, we're connected deeply to one another. I hope that we can expose the lie of individualism for what it is and model a new way of being together, like a musical ensemble, a band. I pray that we would prioritise relationships, conversation, interaction, listening, playing our part in the ensemble. I pray that we would unite around our common vision, purpose and mission to build the kingdom of God, restoring the world through the power of the Spirit. I pray that we would all be committed to growth and development, our faith in practice. And finally, I pray that that we would create a space in the band to hold one another when we have our struggles, questions and doubts, knowing that in itself it might even be a vital contribution to the song that we play, the song of salvation. So that's it for today. Thank you for um, tuning in, downloading and uh, listening. Um, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, I would encourage you to go back and do that. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, pop along to our website, www.jazzcommunity.church, and search for Jazz Community Church on Facebook and Twitter. Um, or come along on a Sunday afternoon, four o'clock, uh, at the church in Cambridge Road in Kings Heath, Birmingham in the UK. Uh, we'd love to see you, uh, to hear from you, um, and uh, connect with you. So do get in touch um, and I will speak to you next time.